Good morning, good morning. Uh, excited about today. I got some guests here today. My mom and dad are here in the service with us today. Came into town because my daughter has a dance recital. If you see some girls with some, some hair pulled back and a little extra makeup, that's because there's a dance recital happening. Yeah. And then one of the people that I grew up with in church is here this morning. Amanda Marshall, she's Valgu now, and her mama, Miss Sue, is here. Why don't you put your hands together, her husband, Jacob, her son. Always good to have some guests. And you're here. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm glad you came today. Look at your other neighbor and say, you too, you too. I'm glad you came too. I'm glad you came. All right, let's go to the Bible. Y'all ready to go to the Word of God today? Are you ready? All right, let's do this. Psalms. Let's go to the Old Testament, the book of Psalms. How many of you will confess that when you have no clue what to read in the Bible, you just go straight to the book of Psalms? Come on, let me see that hand. Amen, me too. Me too. How many of y'all do that little thing where you just put the Bible on the table and wherever it opens, that's where you read? Yeah. All right, all right. We got some work to do then. All right, we got some, some work to do. All right. So let's get to work. Psalms chapter 78 verse 1 through 8. It says, O my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation. I like that. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation, say next generation, so the next generation might know them even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn. Anybody know somebody? Came to mind as soon as I said it. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't tell him a thing right now. Leave that alone. Mm. stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. Man, what a scripture. Today we're going to start a new series entitled Redefined. Redefined. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. So thankful to get here to worship you. Thankful that we can be here. And let your word speak to our hearts. And I just pray, Lord, you would help me today to communicate your heart. Not just my thoughts, but your heart. And I pray, Father, that we will receive them, these words, and let it transform our lives. I pray today that it will motivate us. It will transform us to be who you want us to be instead of who we think we need to be. So, Lord, let your grace, let your spirit just fill this room completely, changing us forever. In Jesus' name, amen. 
and amen. Redefined. Redefined. So I have three children, which many of you know, and I have them in three different stages of life right now. Uh, my oldest son, Elijah, is a college student, still living at home, about to leave, moving out. And uh, it's good things. It's not bad. He just wants to get on his own. And then I have one graduating from high school this year. Judah is graduating from high school. He's leaving too. And uh, he's moving to Pensacola to go to the University of West Florida. And so he's pretty fired up about that. And then I have one in middle school, Ella Pearl, who's going to be going to high school. And so, um, and so there are some language that I have learned from my children that I didn't know was out there. You know what I'm saying? Like there are some words that they use. I had no clue that's what that meant. And we, we, we've lived this before. Uh, and so like EP and her friends use this one word. It's, it's the word slay. Slay. Some of y'all I'm helping because you, you don't have these terms yet. And so you're going to have some new terminology when you leave here. And so they'll say things like, she slayed that dance. Now, slay seems to be a little negative, but actually it's quite positive. <laughs> Just so that you know. Um, Judah and his friends, they talk about their drip. And they're not talking about the bathtub faucet dripping water. They're talking about their outfit. So why don't you look at your neighbor right now and just tell him, I like your drip. <laughs> I like your drip. <laughs> Some of y'all are going to go to work tomorrow. You're going to go to a state worker and tell him, I like your drip. And they're wearing khakis and a polo. <laughs> ah, yes. You know what I'm talking about, though. I mean, as long as we can remember, there's always been these ways that we describe things that don't actually mean what we're saying. Like, uh, man, that's a bad car. It doesn't mean that the car is falling apart. That means that's an incredible car. You know what I'm talking about? Or, or watch this one. That girl is hot. Now, here's the one thing I have learned. I have never met a young lady that is hot. They're always freezing. Like in this room right now, there's a lady like, oh, they need to turn that air off. It is cold in here. And there's a guy in here that's saying, man, they need to crank it up. It's hot in here. So it doesn't mean that she, like the temperature is hot. It just means she looks really good. Or, or how about this one? Oh, Steph Curry, that dude is sick. That does not mean that he has an illness. That means he made 10 three-pointers last night. But these words, y'all know what I'm saying. And, and like some people will leave church today and they'll say, man, church was insane today. That doesn't mean we're all losing our minds. That just means it was really good. And it's funny how we have these words uh, to describe things. But that's not really what they actually mean. That's just the words that we use to describe it. And I, I just begin to think, what happens whenever our descriptions wind up becoming our definitions. What happens when the way that we describe things eventually evolves into the way that we're defining things? And when it comes to things that don't really matter, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you've got your drip on today, drip away. You know what I'm saying? But I believe there are some important things that cannot lose definition. 
And we can't just let the descriptions of these things overtake the real definitions of these things. So I started to think, like, what happens when, like, the Bible and things like salvation and what church is about and what worship is and who the Holy Spirit is, what happens when we define these things more from how we feel about them than what they actually are? You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 it's so easy. Like, let's pick on church for a second. It is so easy to give our opinions about church. Like, everybody knows how church is supposed to go, right? Or so we think we do. But just because we think it's supposed to be that doesn't mean that that's originally what it was intended to be. But because of how we perceive, we feel like we should be able to define and we do this with so many different areas. What happens like when we try to redefine marriage and redefine family or redefine authority because of even some experiences that has happened to us where we feel like, oh, it should be this or it should be that because I went through this and I went through that. Um, what happens when we, let, when we define things from hurtful experiences rather than some healthy examples. And I'm bringing this up because this is literally happening in our world today. This has really become the flow of our culture. And it's, I just believe that it's creating a lot of confusion. I feel like the next generation that is looking for an example is basically hearing us talk about our experiences with these things instead of being able to confidently define them to the next generation so they can carry them on. And I'm not just talking about our children, but it does apply. I'm also talking about other believers who do not know Jesus and are coming into the church and meeting him for the first time and trying to figure out how does all of this work? What is, what is happening? What is the possibility that we may just be passing on an experience rather than a good example? Now, I don't know how you were in school, but I needed a good example. Like, don't just write it on the board. Talk to me about it. Tell me a story. Break it down because I ain't that quick. You know what I'm saying? But if you show me, I can do it. Don't just tell me. Show it. And I believe that we just need some good, godly examples in our lives. And everyone's chasing an experience, and I love them too. But we need some examples. Amen? We need some godly men and women that say, hey, I like to feel good, but I would rather live good. Amen? And so I just feel this burden and this responsibility to, to bring some redefinition. To define this again for another generation, because I just wonder what happens if the next generation doesn't get these truths defined for them. What, what happens if this isn't defined for them? I think instead of walking in the truth that sets them free, they're going to live in a compromised teaching that's going to lead them ultimately into captivity. And they will miss out on the life and the freedom that God promises because they're caught up in an experience that we passed on instead of a true life example. Amen? Hey, listen, don't make me feel good about the math problem. Show me how to do the math problem. Amen? Get me a tutor, somebody. And I just feel like we need some good examples to help pass this on. To the next generation. So we got to look at some things. 
We got to look at the reality that we're a sight and sound world. We are. I mean, come on. We love the sights and we love the sounds. Can I hear a good amen? You love them because I do too. All right. Nothing wrong with that. But what happens whenever we're more sensual and social than we are spiritual? Okay. I'm not trying to say don't have senses. You need some sense, some common sense. Can I get an amen? How many of y'all encountered somebody in the last week that you said they need some common sense? Amen. That's why we better get to work, y'all. <laughs> They're getting crazier and crazier. Of course, we're going to be social. I like people. You like people? Some of y'all don't. I know. <laughs> I know. But what about the spiritual side of things? Especially if we're calling ourselves believers. I've heard people say this. You know, I believe in Jesus and everything, but I'm just not one of those spiritual types. Well, what are you? <laughs> like, seriously, and, and, and this, is what, this is exactly what I'm talking about. We begin to define what spirituality is based off of some spooky, weird people that said this is what spirituality is. And so they back away and say, I don't want anything to do with it. But that is some of the exact things that they need in their life. But they need a good, healthy example of it rather than some cuckoo bird. Amen? That's just weirding everybody out. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and tell him cuckoo. Going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Anyway, never thought I'd say that in a church service. Lord, forgive me. You know what I'm talking about, though? Um, it's the thought of if everyone's doing it, it's okay. If it feels good, then you can do it. You do you boo. And I want you to know that is the worst thing that you can do. Because if I did me, y'all wouldn't have a pastor. <laughs> Somebody say amen. Amen. And trust me, you don't want to do you either. Okay. Um, so much of our influence in our culture is coming through media. And marketing, it is. And there is this attempt to persuade us to believe something, to buy into something, or to buy something. And it has such a sense appeal. I know you thought of the other one, but it has a sense appeal because it appeals so much to our senses because it's wanting you to feel a certain way about that product. It wants you to feel a certain way about that information that is being perceived. Because if they can get your feelings, they believe they can get you. And listen, some of y'all are like, oh, here we go. Pastor going down the rabbit hole. Conspiracy. This is not conspiracy theory. This is just observation. That's all this is. This is just observing not putting anyone down. It's just looking at the landscape and saying, there's a storm that is out there that we need to be prepared for. There are some things that's happening in our world that we actually carry some responsibility for. Amen? Hold on, let me bring it home. There are some things happening in our house that we can't blame anyone else for because it's ours. It's at our house. And it's one thing when it's in the world, but it's another thing when it's in your home, 
when it's in your kid's home, when it's on their phone. You see what I'm saying? And this is the reality of what's happening. And sometimes we just try to go in neutral. And this is not the time to go into neutral. This is the time for us as believers to step into the place that God created us to be in, which is to be a light to the world. Amen? That's the simplest thing you learn even in kids' church, that you are called to be the light of the world. And some of us, we just put on a little light show. You know what I'm saying? And we need to refocus and re-aim our lights and shine it on the path that we believe that God is warning the next generation to follow. Amen? Amen? We've got to do it. And so 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, it says, For the time is coming when people will not tolerate, endure sound and wholesome instruction, but have ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying. They will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number Chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors they hold. What in the world? That's in the Bible. And will turn aside from hearing the truth and wander off into myths and man-made fictions. Wow, Wow, man, this is in the Bible. You got to read that part. And so the question that we got to ask ourselves as believers in a, cell, in a sense appeal culture is, what about our spiritual awareness? What about our spiritual awareness? Because when we're saved, when we're born again, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're born of the Spirit. Like, I, I need us to understand this. Like, your spirit comes alive. Spiritually, you have been born. And we're told through Scripture to be filled with the Spirit of God. We're told through Scripture to be led by the Spirit of God. And we're supposed to be sanctified, changed, transformed by the Holy Spirit into the image of God. And some of us are looking a little crazy these days. And it ain't just that your hair is messed up. You know it. Your life is messed up. Your mind is messed up. Your emotions are messed up. And we're all trying to figure out, how did we get here? And it's easier for us to blame somebody and say, it's their fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. But when we begin to lose the true definition of who we're supposed to be as believers, then we put ourselves in a place for all of the confusion to take over in our lives. And no wonder we don't know what our identity is. No no wonder we don't know what God's will is. We're just all over the place because we're trying to appeal to all of the senses instead of being led by the Spirit. And there's so much compromise that has just been intertwined that we don't think what sin is really a big deal. Amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad we came today. Look at your other neighbor and tell him, you needed this. Man. So watch this, Romans 12, Romans 12, verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Some of y'all are like, man, P. Wade, you're going old school on us today. I've got to. I've got to. You're flunking new school, man. I mean, come on, i got to help you out. So, I don't know what's going on here. I'm trying to help you today. He said, don't copy the customs and behaviors of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Let him redefine you. I don't know about you, but if your mind is messed up, it's like, Lord, please, when can we get started? 
If you're just overwhelmed, it's like, Jesus, when does this transformation begin again? Like, what's the first day of class? Sign me up. Put me. I will be early because I'm tired of living this way. Amen. Tired of it. He said it will transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Watch this. Best part of the verse right here. Then, say then. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Which is good and pleasing and perfect. Two prayers people always want me to pray. Number one, pass away, pray for me to have strength. Okay, I pray for you to have strength. The second one, just pray for me to know God's will. Lord, let them know your will. And God's like, I'm trying my hardest to show you what my will is. I'm I'm just trying so hard, but you're not paying attention in class. Your mind is on all this other stuff, and you're trying to define my will through all of these things that the world wants to do. Think about it, y'all. Let God transform you. Let him redefine you into a new person by changing the way we think. So let's, let's look at this word. Y'all remember vocabulary words back in the day in school? Yeah. Hated those. Yeah. No, let's rewind back to the old days. They didn't call them vocab. We called them glossary. <laughs> glossary. Did you do your glossary word? <laughs> now it sounds all cool. Hey, you got your vocab words done? It's like a little abbreviation, vocab. No, glossary. <laughs> so I went to the glossary. To break this word down for you. And the word redefined, it means to define something again. Which we like that. But then it also says to define something differently. To, decide, to define something again. But also it means to define something differently. And a lot's been redefined. Yeah. A lot has. Um, not to bring us back, but the last few years, a lot has been redefined in our culture, in our country, even in our homes, y'all. A lot's been redefined um, right before our, our eyes. And um, it's creating some confusion. It is. There's people not sure what the next step is for their life. So uncertain about what they need to do. Oh, goodness, man. What's the stock market going to do? I don't know. we got to figure out what we're going to do. Do we sell? Do we buy? Do we get into coal? Do we get into silver? Do we do the Bitcoin? I don't know what we're going to do. It's just so much confusion because the world's changing, and it feels like it's changing faster. Am I right? It just feels like that. And again, this ain't rabbit hole. This ain't a conspiracy theory. It's just, I just feel like the days go quick. And maybe I'm getting old, but uh, I still feel good. Um. But there's a confusion that people have with their lives. And I think we all want to know God's will, right? How many of you, you want to know God's will for your life, right? You want to know God, God's will for your family? You want to know God's will for your business? Come on, if you just started a business, you're like, God, I need your will. Hurry, make it happen. Because we need a paycheck. We got more going out than coming in. Anybody, any business owners know what I'm talking about? Amen. Okay. Um, And so we know there are some things, we're aware, that um, need to be redefined. That need to be defined again. And I want to say this. This isn't a response 
to the world's craziness. I, I'm, that's not where I'm preaching this from. This isn't a response to the world and all that's going on. It. This is the responsibility that we have to the body of believers. Amen. That's why I want to share this message because I, I think God wants us to live for more than what we're living for. And I think God wants us to be more than who we are becoming because we're settling for what for the world's best when God wants to give us his best. Amen. Amen. Come on. Do you believe that? Amen. God wants to give you his best. And so here, here's what I believe God is saying to us. And I really wrestled how I wanted to, to start this series to present it to us because there's a number of things that we can dive into to redefine. And I, I don't want you to just feel like we're going to stand up here and say, hey, all this stuff that you think you're doing, you're wrong. This is what, no, that's not the heart that I want to come from. And so as I've been praying just about this series and about this message, I just kept thinking this the whole time. You know what? God is better than all this stuff that the world is trying to offer us. Like seriously, God is better than all of that. The promises that the world tries to make to us, can I just stand up here today and testify that God is better than all of it? In fact, all of it collected together that the world promised you and tries to offer you, God with just one word is better than all of that put together. And it's so important that we have this perspective going in or else we will wind up in a place where there could be a debate where we will argue with the very one who created us. Think of that, the created arguing with the creator. That's not why you made us. That's not why you said that. You did that this way, and this is how. No, 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 no. We're going to let him be God because he's good at it, and we are not. Can I just say that? I have learned we are not good at being God. Y'all know that show Bruce Almighty? How many of y'all saw Bruce Almighty? Remember that? He was terrible at it. Just terrible, man. Terrible. Just awful. God is so good at being God. He is so good at being God. He's a father who identifies us as his own, even though he knows every last thing about us. Everything. That thought, you didn't say it, but you thought it. He knew it. He knew what you were thinking, man. And he said, that's my boy over there. Glad you didn't say it, son. It's working. (laughs) Got some more work to do, though. He identifies us as his own. He gives definition and order to our lives. Come on, man. He puts things in order and he brings clarity. And I just feel like the lesson that we're going to learn through all this, it's not just that God is better, but that he's saying to us, you're better than that. You're better than that. Not that, hey, we're better than you because you're not a believer. No, 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 no. You're better than that. Meaning the life I have for you is better. It's better for you. You're better than that. And I want you to live at a standard. Come on. It's above the low standards that the world is trying to present us. Come on. His promises are better. Do you believe that? The promises of God are better because he backs them up. His ways are better because they've been proven. Generation after generation, they have never stopped what God has started. They tried to kill Jesus, and he just rose from the dead. They tried to shut down the church by persecuting it, and it grew even more. 
It just kept going. It kept going. It endures. And it's still going today, even in our generation, even in our world. And even though it's crazier than you've ever been, than it's ever looked like for you. You read the Bible, you see some crazy stuff in there too, by the way. Don't believe me? Jump back to Leviticus today and read about three chapters. You'll call me and say, Pastor Wade, we're living a little better these days. It's wild back there, man. But this is the verse I'm going to bring us to today. In Jeremiah 15, verse 19. It says this. It says, if you return to me, I will restore you so you can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you will be my spokesman. Watch this. You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. There's no doubt that we've allowed too many things to be defined by our culture. Can we agree on that? There, there are some things that we, we got to clean up, you know. Um, and I believe the result of it is we're losing our definition. We're losing our clarity. We're losing our identity. This is, this is so huge. And I just see that we're trying to fit into something that we've been called out of. We're trying to fit into something that God said, I'm calling you out of. And we can't allow the world to define who God is. We can't allow the world to define what church is. And we can't allow the world to define what love is. Because we know how the world operates. I mean, do y'all feel the burden of this today? Again, I'm not trying to scare us. I just want us to be aware that they, these, are, these are responsibilities that we have on us as believers that are called to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. This is just who we're supposed to be. The church is supposed to be the representative of truth and all the world. And even today, truth is questioned. And what is truth? It's your own truth. You live your own truth. And can I tell you, that is the most ungodly, satanic advice that you can ever give or receive because that truth does not set you free. It brings you straight into captivity. And again, I got to say it. God's better than that, man. And what he has for you is so much better. And you're better than that. So let's not fall victim to the popularity. And if it feels good and we want to fit in because we're so sensual and because we're so social that we lose our spiritual awareness. And so when you hear the term revival, it's not just shake and bake in the church service. But what is it? It's your mind coming back to the place. Repentance is a change of mind where you again look at it the way God looks at it, the way God defined it and live that way instead of the way that you've been living because the ways that we've been living is what got us into all this. Like seriously, this is what has gotten us to this point. We can't compromise the definition of family. We can't compromise the definition of marriage, even in a social world. Listen, the the church has to be loving, but there are some things that must stay true according to God's word. Amen? Amen. We've got to leave it alone instead of changing it and adapting it because we think it should be this. Listen, there was a lot of things I grew up learning that I thought it needed to go that way. But it don't work that way. 
God's way is the best way. Do y'all believe that today? Amen. So if we want to be redefined, defined again, we want this redefinition. It's going to take some refinement. Some refinement. And when something is refined, it usually goes through a furnace and all of the impurities come to the surface and it is removed so that it is pure. It is pure. Come on, do you want to be redefined? Come on, some refinement. So let's jump into this. If we want to be redefined by him, number one, we must return to the Lord. We must return to the Lord. I remember growing up, and some of you who grew up in church, um, they would talk about the rapture. You ever heard teaching on the rapture or the return of the Lord? You know where the Lord's going to return? And so uh, if you're ever staying home by yourself or something and uh, your family doesn't show up for a considerable amount of time. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Did I miss it? <laughs> Am I right? Uh, true story. When I was a kid, we were in this church service, and you know, the preachers they like to preach this uh, this this little message about the rapture. And one day, that trumpet of God is going to sound, and all the believers are going to be, you know, they're going to be taken up to heaven in the blinking of an eye. And uh, that one Sunday night, this is a Sunday night service. Now, you don't do this on Sunday morning. Sunday night, you can get a little rowdy. Yeah. Sunday morning, you got to keep it clean. There was a guy hiding up in the balcony of the church with a trumpet. And when the pastor started talking about it, the guy blows the trumpet. And I want you to know everyone was falling to their knees. Oh, dear God, Jesus, please forgive me. That's not what I meant, Lord. Just ultimate repentance. And I don't know, man. Sometimes I feel like we might need to do that. I mean, I don't know what's going to move some of you, man. Just bust up with the trumpet. Like if it sounded right now. Some of y'all got a little nervous. So I was about to drop. Sometimes we're talking more about the return of the Lord and that debate and that argument when really it's about us returning to him. And I know, man, I can't. It's interesting when you read the book of Revelation because we want to know when is he coming, right? I remember when I was a kid, I was like, man, I just want to get married and have a family before the rapture happens. Am I right? Like that was the thinking. I want to get my boat. <laughs> Still don't have it. <laughs> But I got a friend. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right. But we must return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. Return to the Lord's influence. Return to the Lord's ways. Return to the Lord's intentions. Return to the Lord's grace and mercy. Return to the Lord. And I pray that as you're hearing this today, it just kind of like knocks on your door a little bit and makes you consider, man, where am I at with the Lord? Because I have this feeling that there's a lot of people who have gotten saved. A lot. But there's not a lot of people who are living out their salvation. Got saved to make sure that when they die, they can go to heaven. But live like, all oh, hell is breaking loose on earth. Can I go back to the statements that God is better than that? And salvation is better than that, y'all. And we're better than that. Like, like we've got to hear this message and understand that God is calling you and I today to return to him. To come back to the Lord. Come back to the relationship. I've heard so many people say this. And, and, and even amongst this church, I can remember when I was a kid growing up in youth group, I was so fired up for the Lord. 
And I just asked the question, what happened? Well, life happens, man. I know life happens, but the fervency, the desire, and the passion for God, we've got to keep that fire burning in our hearts, church. Amen? Like, we've got to keep that fire alive, and there are going to be things that we struggle with. There are going to be things that we walk through, but ultimately, it's God, I'm staying with you. I'm staying close to you. I might go through some things, but I'm walking through it with you. I need you to stick with me, because i got a tendency to roam, but I want to stay close to you, and today, the Lord is just speaking. You came to church today, and you're like, I need a word from God. The word from the Lord is, return to the Lord today. Amen? To return to Him today. Here's the second thing. We must return to God's Word. We must return to the Word of God. And the Bible cannot just be motivational scriptures to post on social media. Because the Bible isn't just motivation. It's also correction. Amen? Listen, you can encourage somebody doing the wrong thing, and they'll keep doing the wrong thing and feel good about it. At some point, there's a need for correction. Hey, buddy, you're going the wrong way. Like, if you're going to get to that place, that ain't the way you go. You need to turn and go this way. That's not anger. That's not mean. That's called love. If you were coming over to my house, and you went east... And I called you and said, hey, we live this way. Turn around and come back this way. I'm not mad at you. I just want to help you to get there. And the Bible is not coming from a place of anger. It's coming from the place of love. And all God's trying to say is, this is the way. And so when you hear words like repentance and change, because we got the hellfire brimstone mindset, because we've heard people say that before. And so when they drop the word repent, it's like, oh, here we go. Drop the hellfire into brimstone. No, the word repent means change your mind and change your direction and go towards the Lord. Can I just make it that simple? Change your mind, change your direction, and go towards the Lord. What needs to happen in our world? We need to change our direction and turn towards the Lord. We need to change our direction with family instead of running around everywhere. We need to turn towards the Lord. And so if you made that decision, hey, we're going to get our family in church, you're turning towards the Lord. That's a good thing, amen? Tell your neighbor, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You changed your direction. You're turning to the Lord, but we've got to return to God's Word because there are some standards in the Word of God. It's not just a do this and don't do that. It's a book that raises the standard of our living, and I've noticed that we like standards everywhere except (laughs) when it comes to how we're acting and how we're living. We want the best neighborhoods. We want to eat at the best restaurants. I, I need to know. Are there roaches running around this restaurant? Because I got some standards. What's in my cup? This isn't clean. Give me a manager. Hey, I'm get a free meal out of this. Y'all watch this. Come on, somebody. Right? We have some standards. If you go to eat with your fork at lunch today and there's stuff all over it, you're going to ask for another fork. And the second one they bring out, there's stuff all over it. We got to talk to somebody. Am I right? Mr. Manager, there's two forks. We're going to have to raise the standard. We have all these standards everywhere. What if God has a standard for you to live 
because he knows if he raises the standard for you, you live a life better than you ever dreamed you could live. Think about it. And that's what the word of God does. It brings us up. It lifts us up. And in the process, there's some things in our lives that it tears down. And it tears down the things that are tearing us down. And my prayer is that we have a love for the Bible like we've never had before. Amen? That we go back to the Bible instead of all these influential teachers and all the influencers and talking about their experiences. We need the Bible. We need examples from the Word of God. Amen? 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 And that's us. And that's you. You've got to be a godly example. A godly example. And God already knows you're not going to be perfect. Say thank you, Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm not. And everybody's breathing better now. But you can still be an example. Because you can go to someone that you've done wrong and say, hey, I need you to forgive me. And you were a good example to them. You can go to someone and say, hey, I shouldn't have said that. And even though you wasn't perfect in what you said, you made it right, and you influenced that person. Come on. Get back to the Word of God. Number three, we must return to godly convictions. And I like to use that word convictions. Convictions. Because we're full of opinions, man. You, you ever watch those shows where they bring the experts in? First of all, who are those people? Seriously. Who are they, and how did you get there? Yeah. And they say, hey, what are your thoughts on this? And it starts with, well, I think. Well, I think. Well, I think. And what is that based off, usually? Their opinion. And as believers, it can't just be, well, I think. We need to go back to, well, the Bible says. Amen? Yeah. Come on, is this too heavy today? Like, like, are we, are, are, are we making it too heavy? I love our young people in this church. I love young people, man. Somehow or another, the Lord keeps putting me around young people. And I love them. I see so much in them. These college students, the ideas that they are stirring up inside, man. These high school kids that are, these, these kids graduating from high school this year. I'm telling you, we got, a, we got a group of kids graduating this year from here at Emerge. Man, these kids are going to do some things, y'all. They are. I'm excited for them. But what about you? Is there any excitement in you for where you're at right now? As a mom, as a dad? As a husband or a wife? Is there anything stirring that maybe God is trying to get you to step into today? Maybe we've gotten to the point that we just don't even know anymore because we're just trying to survive. 
I hear it. I hear it from parents who are saying, you know what, we're just trying to make it till they're 18. Yeah. We're just trying to make it through another year with this marriage. I, just, I, I hope we can make it through the summer. Just trying to get through another day at the job. Have we hurt ourselves lately? Have we seen ourselves lately and who we're becoming? And, and, and this is the believers. This is the believers who have, some of us have grown up in church for years. For years and years. And we're still struggling with our faith. Still, still struggling with order in our lives. Still dealing with offense and bitterness. Still. And now we're trying to raise another generation. Or we're trying to reach new people, friends and co-workers. And we bring them into this. And then they really start seeing us. And they begin to conclude there's not a lot of difference. I thought God was better. I thought what God had for us was better, but I'm seeing a lot of the same. And why is that? Is it because we're just terrible people? Is it because we're so weak we can't make it happen? No, I think it's because we're losing our definition. We're losing our, our, our identity and we're losing who God wants us to be and where we're supposed to go and we're glorifying our hurts over our healer. Come on, it's all about, I need y'all to know I'm hurt. I just want to be known for being healed and being saved and being delivered. But we're trying to glorify some things that is breaking us down because it's the culture of the world. Since when does offense and bitterness take over health? Since when does like sin take over righteousness? Since when does darkness overtake the light? Why are we allowing this to happen? Because we're losing our definition. And again, this isn't in response to the world. This is the responsibility of who we're supposed to be as believers. That's what this is about. And today, I just hear the Lord saying, return to me. Return to me. Come back to me. Come back to me. Come back to me. And this morning, I just want to open up this altar today. And I just feel like we need to return to the Lord. It's time to come back and get on our knees before the Lord and say, God, I'm sorry for letting all these other things become the Lord of my life instead of you. Today I'm coming back and I just want to open this up and today maybe the Lord's moved on your heart because there's some things that has lost definition. We let activities take over the direction of our lives. Come on. Rather than convictions. We're letting all these other things tell us what we're going to do and what we're not going to do instead of letting the conviction of God inside of our heart. And today, the Lord's saying, return, return. I'm going to open this up this morning. And one at a time, even if one comes down here, the Lord said it's time to return to him. It's time to repent. It's time to say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've made it. I'm sorry for doing it my way. I'm sorry for making it all about what we like instead of who you are. Come on, it's time for a return. It's time to return our families to the Lord. It's time to return. Come on, the Lord is speaking to you today. He's nudging your heart. It's time to return. 
It's time to return. There's people in here that have been running from God, running because you didn't like what he told you. You didn't like what he said. It's time to return to the Lord today. You didn't like the direction. You didn't like the correction. So you went your own way, and now you're out there. And today it's time to return to the Lord. It's time to return to the conviction rather than the opinion. It's time to return today. It's time to return.